Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month, where we bring you the craziest stories happening all around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoy it. Here are the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month for February 2024. Number 5. Anchorage Memory Card Murders This story is as scary as it gets. It involves a randomly stolen SD card whose contents contain not just horrifying images and videos, but the voice of a sadistic killer. And now, this month, they'll head to trial for the crimes he committed. This all took place in Anchorage, Alaska, back in the fall of 2019. A woman with a sketchy past and criminal record found herself in the passenger seat of a random man's truck. She hadn't been kidnapped or anything. This man was looking for some fun that night, and so he picked her up for a date, and the two had at it. After the truck driver went to grab some items from a gas station, leaving the girl alone, driven by habit or perhaps fate, she then sifted through the car's interior looking for anything valuable. And there, in the center console, her fingers wrapped around a small digital memory card, Thinking maybe it had some important information on it, something like passwords, she took it and slipped it into her purse. About a week after she lifted the card, she then brought it into the police because it had on it no passwords or financial info. It instead harbored gruesome photos and videos of a woman being mercilessly beaten and strangled in a Marriott hotel, her life ebbing away as her attacker with a strong accent coldly urged her to die. He declares, clear as day, in my movies, everybody always dies. In a morbid testament to the predator's psyche, he explains why he's filming in the first place, saying, what are my followers going to think of me? And people need to know when they are being serial killed. He recorded the events as if on some twisted TV show he'd someday show the world. And he did, just not in the way I'm sure he imagined. There were images of this woman's blanket-covered body being moved outside with the use of a luggage cart. The attacker's voice was distinct and recognized by the police as Brian Stephen Smith, a 52-year-old South African native. While he is now facing 14 charges, he has pleaded not guilty to all of them. During the investigation, the images were, of course, time-stamped and literally placed Smith at the scene of the crime and showed where he dumped the body as well. 
For example, the first images of the body were time-stamped at 12.58 a.m. on September 4th. And Smith just so happened to be a registered guest at the Town Place Suites by Marriott between September 2nd and September 4th. He took pictures of the body in the back of his pickup truck shortly before dumping it. Those timestamps were placed against Smith's location data on his phone, and it's the exact spot where 30-year-old Kathleen Henry's body would go on to be found four weeks later. When taken into custody and questioned, Smith then unexpectedly confessed to another murder out of the blue, that of 52-year-old Veronica Buchik, which only deepened the horror of the situation. His cavalier remark, I'm going to make you famous, to the troopers, hinted at a disturbing pride in his heinous acts. Veronica had been reported missing by her family, and both her and Henry were known to deal with the harshness of homelessness. They happened to cross paths with the wrong man while out there trying to survive. As the trial looms, there was an attempt to not show the card's contents at all, 39 photos and 12 videos by Smith's attorneys saying they may not be originals or doctored in some sort of way, but that didn't work and the judge ruled against that. So, the trial will happen soon, where the jury will view all the terrible contents before deciding Smith's fate. And likely, with the death penalty being abolished in Alaska altogether, he'll be going away behind bars for the rest of his life. Number four, the mysterious disappearance of Jennifer Cass. It's been 18 years since 24-year-old financial manager Jennifer Kess disappeared from her condo down in Orlando, Florida and was never seen again. It started in January of 2006 when Jennifer and her boyfriend, Rob Allen, headed out on vacation to the serene beaches of St. Croix. It was a fun-filled romantic trip, and when they returned late at night on a Sunday, Jennifer slept at Rob's and she headed straight to work on Monday, January 23rd. And the day passed without incident, marked by conversations with co-workers about her trip. That evening, around 6.15 p.m., she called her dad on the drive home. At 10 p.m., she was talking to Rob and then went to bed, and that was the last time anyone would hear from her again. The following morning, a chilling silence took hold as Jennifer failed to make her customary call to Rob. And concern grew as the day progressed, with Jennifer missing an important meeting and failing to show up to work altogether. Actions completely out of character for someone known for her responsibility and punctuality. Her employer's repeated calls went unanswered, prompting a worried call to her parents who lived a couple hours away in Tampa. They immediately got in their car and drove to her place. Jennifer's disappearance triggered a desperate search, beginning with a check of her condo by the complex's manager. The scene inside suggested a day started but not finished. A wet towel laid out to dry, clothes chosen but not worn. It painted a picture of normalcy abruptly halted. Her car was also missing, deepening the mystery. With no signs of forced entry or a struggle, fear gripped her loved ones, prompting them to mobilize a search effort that would soon involve the Orlando PD and eventually the media and the FBI. 
The discovery of Jennifer's car at a nearby apartment complex provided a glimmer of hope, a tangible clue in a case star for answers. Surveillance footage offered a potential lead capturing a figure disposing of the car. Yet fate cruelly obscured the identity of this person of interest, with an iron fence perfectly aligning to hide their face in each frame captured. Back then, the cameras only took a still image every three seconds, and the other cameras around the facility were taken from too far away to nail down who this person actually was. And dubbed the luckiest person of interest ever by a journalist, this individual remained an enigma, and their appearance concealed by the limitations of technology and circumstance. In the end, the FBI and even NASA looked over the footage, could only say that the perpetrator was between five foot three and five foot five for sure. As the investigation unfolded, it appeared that someone likely took Jennifer sometime between when she left and locked her front door to the time she reached her car in the parking lot. Various leads were pursued, from Jennifer's ex-boyfriend to a manager infatuated with her. Each one, though, just turned into a dead end. Suspicion, though, lingered around the construction workers at her condo complex, who were expanding on the footprint of the entire place. There were lots of comings and goings with several workers, and Kess had told family members on more than one occasion that these construction workers relentlessly whistled at, catcalled, and harassed her, almost on a daily basis. And these men would see her often, which means they got to know her routine, and knowing where someone's going to be would help a lot if you intended to kidnap them. Police did try to follow this angle, but ultimately, the language barrier proved to be too much of a problem. Essentially, they gave up on it. But interestingly, crew workers on that job were allowed to stay in vacant condos while they were finishing construction on the project. And so, it's very possible that the person who did this had the entire day off and was living just a few doors down from Jennifer, fantasizing about her until they couldn't take it any longer. Her family still very much wants answers, no matter what happened to her. They need to know and want justice to be served. Anyone with information about Jennifer's disappearance is asked to contact the Find Jennifer Kess Facebook page or the Florida Department of Law Enforcement at 888-356-4774. Number 3. UFO Sightings Over Canada If you're big into UFOs and you have not heard this audio yet, then I'm happy to get to share it with you here. This happened on January 19th of this year when multiple pilots reported seeing multiple lights, sometimes in a triangular formation, that were flying much higher than them. These lights were also witnessed by several civilians as well. The audio recordings of their calls to ground control and emergency responders were all compiled by a man named Daniel Otis, who is a journalist from Canada, and then posted them to his YouTube channel. So, to get things started, here's a clip for you to check out. Then play roughly a one and a half to two minute clip. Just find something interesting. If you want to listen to the whole thing, I've linked it in the description below, and it runs about 13 minutes in total, and it's definitely worth checking out. 
As you can tell, many people saw something that was unexplained in the skies that morning. These objects were zipping around at altitudes that seemed to defy the very limits of human engineering. According to reports from CTV News, these unidentified flying objects were seen flying in formation at altitudes reaching an astounding 100,000 feet. Put this into perspective, this is a realm beyond the reach of the B-2 bomber, which is a marvel of modern aerospace. Even the F-22, a pinnacle of stealth and agility, patrols the skies at half that height. The pilots, seasoned in the skies and skeptical of jumping to conclusions, began to query among themselves and with ground control. The response from air traffic control only deepened the mystery. There was no known military activity in the area at all. The possibility of satellites was quickly dismissed. These objects move with an intention, a formation that no celestial body or man-made satellite could mimic. This incident comes at a time when the topic of UFOs has surged in public interest. Revelations and whistleblower testimonies, including that of David Grush to Congress, have pulled back the curtain on what might be hidden beyond the skies. Grush's testimony under oath about non-human biologics recovered from crash crafts has only fueled the fire of speculation and intrigue. The Canadian Prairie incident is now just another in a long line of strange sightings that sits in the middle of all these discussions. Multiple pilots, all with years of experience, all reporting the same unexplainable sight. It's a tangible encounter that definitely happened and yet defies explanation. Number 2. The Mysterious Disappearance of D.A. Ray Gricker Almost 19 years ago, District Attorney of Center County in Pennsylvania, Ray Gricker, took a day off and went for a drive and never came back home. And today, his family is still searching for answers as to what happened. And while those are still yet to come, there are certainly many theories. Ray served as the DA for the county from 1985 to 2001, During his tenure, he handled several well-known cases, but the most famous was his involvement in the Jerry Sandusky case. In his personal life, Ray was famously private. However, he was a bit of a charmer and known womanizer. He had been married and divorced twice and had an adopted daughter named Lara with his first wife. At the time of his disappearance, he was living with his girlfriend, Patty Fornicola. On April 15th of 2005, Ray told his girlfriend he was heading out for a drive through the Brush Valley. He would then go on to be spotted at an antiques mall in Lewisburg that he frequently visited, and there he was seen with a tall, attractive woman with brown hair. But later that evening, when he still hadn't come home, his worried girlfriend decided it was time to call the police. The next day, authorities tried tracing his steps, and it was then that they found his red Mini Cooper abandoned near the Susquehanna River, which is 55 miles away from his home. Inside, they found his county-issued cell phone, but his wallet, laptop, and keys were missing. There were no signs of foul play, but strangely, the inside smelled like cigarette smoke, despite the fact that Ray didn't smoke and hated the smell. 
Police searched the river and its banks for signs of the man, but nothing was found. A few months later, in July, a fisherman pulled Ray's laptop from the river over the hard drive was missing. And two months after that, the hard drive was found in the mud on the bank of the Susquehanna. There was no way to retrieve the information on it, though, as it had been damaged too badly. So the question is, what happened to Ray? Despite pursuing different leads and tips, no trace of him has ever been found. When it came to light that Ray withheld initial complaints regarding the Jerry Sandusky case, rumors began to spread that his disappearance had something to do with it. Essentially, Ray knew of the alleged victims as early as 1998, but declined to push a charge against the assistant coach. As a result, Sandusky would not be tried and charged for another 10 years. An informant at one point contacted investigators saying a former Hell's Angel had killed Ray, but nothing concrete was ever produced from that. It makes sense that someone, perhaps a person whose child was a victim of Sandusky, may have gone out of their way to take care of him since he could have stopped bad things from happening. Then again, maybe Ray threw his laptop and hard drive in the waters that day and disappeared with his lovely brunette into the sunset in order to get away from it all and start a new life. In 2015, Gricker was legally pronounced dead, but the case remains open and his disappearance still a mystery. Number one, the woman who dated the Gilgo Beach killer. A few months back, Rex Hewerman, the alleged Gilgo Beach killer, was apprehended. And since then, the stories coming forward about who this guy was in his everyday life have been plentiful. And one of those accounts comes from a woman named Nikki Brass, an ex-escort turned hairdresser whose fateful encounter with Rex brought forth some more very disturbing details. It was a seemingly ordinary dinner. Rex had invited Nikki out and the two were chatting when the conversation then took a dark turn. In that area of Long Island, the Gilgo Beach killer was well known and a topic of conversation, especially among escorts because that's who he targeted. As Rex sat across from her, As if he couldn't wait any longer, he brought up the subject with excitement in his eyes. Nicky explained that at this point a transformation overcame him and described it as follows. As soon as he started talking about the Gilgo Beach killings, he stood up straighter. He leaned on the table and got a smirk on his face. He almost seemed excited like he had been waiting the whole dinner to talk about this. This unsettling change in his demeanor hinted at a deeper, more macabre fascination with the crimes. A fascination that former FBI agent and profiler James Fitzgerald and retired NYPD inspector Paul Muro suggest is not uncommon among serial killers, who often thrive on the notoriety and public attention their heinous acts attract. Simply, they want to know what people think about what they've done, what details they have right and wrong. The Gilgo Beach serial killings were a series of gruesome murders that primarily targeted sex workers between 1996 and 2011 on Long Island. Eleven victims were found buried along the beach, their fate sealed by an unknown predator or possibly predators. 
Rex Hewerman, charged with three of these murders, emerged as the prime suspect. But as Nikki would reveal, the rabbit hole might go deeper than anyone had anticipated. During their conversation, Hewerman's comments on the murders revealed a chilling insight, and Nikki felt as though she was speaking to someone reliving it, not somebody who was just a fan talking about it. Hewerman's knowledge of the killings, coupled with his speculation about parties where individuals would select and murder an escort, painted a grim picture of the reality behind the Gilgo Beach killings. It meant that there may be more people involved than just Rex. Hewerman's disdainful remarks about the victims, claiming prostitutes didn't have anyone who cared about them, underscored a calculated approach to selecting his targets. These were not random acts of violence, but meticulously planned executions designed to minimize the chance of discovery. His arrest this past July, which led to the uncovering of an arsenal of over 50 illegal weapons in his home, only added layers to the already complex character of Rex. From handguns to assault weapons, the collection showed the true danger that he posed. Nikki, before the dinner was done, excused herself to the bathroom where she called a friend and told him that she thought she was hanging out with the Gilgo Beach killer and needed help. That friend came and the two left without incident, and it wouldn't be until a few years later that she would come to find out that her intuition was spot on. When she saw Rex in the news, she knew she had in fact dined with a killer that day. A twisted individual who likely saw the fear in her eyes as she began to piece two and two together. He enjoyed it just like he enjoyed all the murders he had committed over the years. So they were the strange and scary mysteries of the month for February 2024. I'm Andrew, and I want to thank you for tuning in. If you like this, remember we also have exclusive content over on our Patreon where we cover a variety of other topics, plus there's an entire library you get access to. You won't just be getting more content, but also helping to support us. Thanks again for all your support and for tuning in. I'll see you guys in the next one.